I won more premierships alone than the other he 19 managers. Boys, we are here to ranch. James, we have to do justice before just sliding right into the top four. Today. I didn't want to get off track. This, this is one of the best title races. Good afternoon, and Patrick. You're in a really heated race to finish in the top four, and you trot out a BT. What on earth? I don't have an option. I'm talking worldwide. Wow. Welcome. Welcome. To Prem de la Prem. On today's episode of Prem de la Prem, we dust off the trophy case, take a trip down memory lane, and head on over to Anfield. That's right, folks. It's the Liverpool FC episode of the Summer Roundtable series. We are on a roll. It was episode four. And for the first time, it's a Prem de la Prem first, my friend Patrick Crowley. We brought mm. on three guests. That's right. Count them. One, two, three. Uh, some fine gentlemen by the name of Will Jones, Philip Arliss, and Scott Coblin, uh, in no particular order. There was no agent demands for billing in that. I just rifled them off the top of my head. And Pat, I want to bring you in and just get your take on how you thought the episode went. Thanks for bringing it, uh, bringing me in, James. Uh, I thought the episode was great. I don't know if we're just getting better as these roundtables go on or if these guests really brought the heat, but we really unpacked a lot with this episode. And, you know, there's there's not so many questions about, you know, what does Liverpool need to do to succeed? You know, they just had their best point total season, one loss, won the Champions League, uh, they still are missing that crown jewel, which is a Premier League trophy, mm-hmm. which is what is, they made clear is the expectation. Um, but we were really able to dive into some more nuance in this one because the status quo was pretty great. There's nothing really to poke holes at. Yeah, I mean, I think we got it out of the way pretty quickly. It was a strange season in the sense that there was a massive amount of disappointment not taking home that Premier League title, knowing how close they came, how much it means to them. You know, we obviously got the Stevie G slip in there in the discussion, but you're walking away with the Champions League title. You're walking away with a really strong core. Like you said, it was hard to poke holes, a really strong core of players that can only be built upon. And then obviously we talked about the Klopp Lobster himself, uh, Mm. Mr. Jurgen. So... Um, yeah, it, 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 it was fascinating to hear from an inside perspective where those builds can be made because obviously the city juggernaut is going to keep on going into next season and it's just a matter of where this team can capitalize in the next season or two before Pep takes his leave. Yeah, just, it, I mean, it's their team can't get that much better in my estimation um you know they're they're very very good and so they're just having to go up against another juggernaut and like you said one of their best seasons i, I mean probably their best season of all time i mean in, in so many season yeah yeah i mean there's just so many different metrics that you could you know categorize and i think if you combine all of them with the style of play point totals goal totals champions league van dyke actually in the conversation for the Bologna or you know mm-hmm. all these different things mm-hmm yet there's still some lingering disappointment. You know, it's just a very weird dynamic over at Anfield, and I think these uh, these three men really brought it to light for us. Yeah. I mean, we got to think about the right time to bring these guys back on because obviously Liverpool, with their record, they only had that one loss. So maybe it's like a, a Man City-Liverpool, um, maybe not a round table, but a head-to-head uh, death match of, of interview guests. Yeah, I think um, we'll, maybe we'll... We'll have to figure out how to do it, but um, yeah, Kate versus one of these three would be fireworks. And then, I don't know, we can get a hold of Andy's agent and see if he's available just to mm. uh, stir the pot, so Yeah, to speak. and boost the numbers. We need another some more spikes soon. Holy hell. But I think this is the episode, James. Let's not get too far derailed. Um, before we go into it, anything we want to recap on, on Liverpool? I mean, I think we have everything in the roundtable. We hit everything in the round table. I don't want to give too much away. It's really a question of building the philosophy, building the group of players, having patience for, thing to, for things to come right, and uh, just taking that next elevated step. Uh, like you said, I really was not expecting to have such a culture discussion. Mm-hmm. I, was, I came in with my mitts, and I had them up over my head, ready to just box out of a corner. But it didn't. It didn't get to that point. So um, yeah. credit to the guests. Credit yeah. to us for hosting such a fantastic show. And mm. um, must be said. I I think without further ado, we can send it off and right into the cast. So Patrick, any closing statements? No, just enjoy. I think we we killed it again. All right. Well, that's another one.
We got Assad. We got DJ Khaled. Patrick and James signing off. Another one. Enjoy it, folks. It's the Liverpool FC Roundtable Summer Content Series for PDLP. Help! I've fallen and I can't get up. When you're at home, any old accident can become a tragedy. But with just one of Life Alert's patented safety detection systems, help can be summoned immediately. Is it all say, Jimmy? Oh, that's right, Bertram. With Life Alert at your side, you'll never slip alone because you'll never walk alone. Whether it's on the go out in the field or back at home, Life Alert keeps you in a safe pair of hands so you can keep on chasing those golden years. With Life Alert, I'm a new man. I almost get hard sometimes. So call now to try Life Alert free of charge because life should be lived on the top, not on the ground. Welcome back to Prem de la Prem. If you're stumbling upon this podcast, you're joining us for the next installment of the Summer Roundtable interview series, and today we are talking about the Scousers. That's right, we're talking about Liverpool, and we've got five on it. Whoa, baby. You've got my near, dear, close friend, co-host, Patrick Crowley. How we doing, Prem Heads? And then on the line, we got three Liverpool fans. We got Phil Arliss in the booth. Hello, everybody. And then Will Jones and Scott Koblen joining us from their respective... Uh, coastal locations so oh, yeah, right. yeah great to have you guys on um patrick i i always like to kick it over to you to yeah. do, do the introductions and yeah so i think a good way to start is just kind of want to go um to each of you and figure out what made you a liverpool fan why did you choose what this path um to walk along not alone but along uh scott why don't we start with you why are you a liverpool fan and and what is what does uh, being a liverpool fan mean to you yeah, great. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. Um, so, growing up, always a big soccer fan, and um, early on in life, the Revolution were kind of like the best in the MLS. That sort of curious was, to see how you land this plane. Yeah, that was short lived. So the MLS then sort of went away from my soccer viewing ship, and I obviously went overseas, started viewing the EPL. That got more traction in America and sort of needed a team to root for. Uh, so Steven Gerrard is basically the reason why I'm a Liverpool fan. And then from there, it was Xavi Alonso and Javier Mascherano. Those like defensive holding midfielders um, are kind of like my favorite players to watch. And they just sort of went through a ton of them that uh, were just awesome, fun to watch. And then obviously it maintained once the Red Sox ownership bought Liverpool just uh, sort of yeah. had more yeah. reason to maintain that. Awesome. Makes sense. Uh, Will, should we jump over to you? For sure. Yeah, so similar to James, I have a ton of family in the UK, and my dad just kind of raised me to be a Liverpool fan, as James's dad did for Man U. I actually moved back there in, like, 2002 and was living outside of Leeds and got to see them play when I was, like, eight years old against Liverpool, and they smashed Leeds, like, 4 nothing. Emil Heskey bag two. And that was it for me. <laughs> From that point on, yeah. it was a done deal. Yeah, there you go. All right, why don't you bring us home, Phil? Well, it sounds like I have uh, the deepest roots out of the three of us. I started watching soccer my freshman year of college. Um, <laughs> about six years ago. Um, my, my roommate was actually on the, on the varsity soccer team at the yeah. University of Vermont. Weird and, flex, um, but okay. Yeah. It's, a weird, yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit Congrats. of a deal. But um, I, I basically, I, I would yeah, have watched was, uh, Yeah, Tom Cole, if, if you're has, out there. If he has friends that uh, he can spread this to. He probably would have been able to offer some more professional insight than I. But um, no, yeah, and so I just started watching, uh, you know, Premier League every single weekend. Um, and basically, you know, for the past six years or so, um, you know, I, I've just kind of become obsessed with it. And it's the only sport yeah. I follow now. And Liverpool was what my... Uh, my one of my best friends, Alva, that was the club that he always supported. He he played soccer and stuff going up, and so it was mostly just you know watching watching games with uh my, with my my friend Alva, yeah. and uh, we just kind of got into it. And I I love Jurgen Klopp when he came over from <laughs> Dortmund. That made me fucking love Pool uh, even more. So yeah, well I like the balance that we've struck on this cast. It's our first time with three guests, and we get we got a little bit of a Tim Kate situation going on where we got fans with maybe some deeper roots. You know their their family brought them into it, and then you got you know. A Phil here who uh, just latched on in the in the college years just because it was something new they wanted to try out as they were experimenting with their uh, young bodies, and to to kind of kick off the conversation, um, I want to get this out of the way because we'll talk about the previous season and then kind of transition into 
what you what your hopes are for the upcoming season, uh, maybe off season moves, uh, more philosophical debates. But to get it out of the way, I want absolute confirmation from you guys. Would you have been happier this season if you didn't win the Champions League and won the Premier League? Because I'm pretty sure that's the case. Let's start with Phil. You know, I think it it would have been arguably more impressive. Um, you know, obviously coming back from a three nil. Uh, defeat in the semis to Barca and then coming back and winning that that uh, leg was you know probably one of the most epic things that, that Liverpool's ever done but um, you know just in terms of week in week out um, you know I, I feel like that winning the Premier League probably would have been more challenging and the fact that you know we weren't ultimately able to do it I think is a testament to that so I think you know I'm extremely happy with the Champions League win but I think that the, in, a, in a way the, the Premier League would have been a little more satisfying mm. The long 38 game yeah, all would have felt a little more uh, earned, you know. Yeah, that's what the uh, folks on the city podcast were saying. Uh, Scott, let's go to you. What, what about you? Champions League, okay? I'm obviously, a, a trophy's a trophy, right? Klopp was 0 for 6 in trophy games before that, but yeah, I would have been happier with the Premier League title uh, as opposed to the Champions League. Um, I think part of that comes from, I think, the understanding that the Premier League is the premier league pun intended yeah, in the world right now because um, the Champions League final, the FA Cup final it was basically all England teams so you win the league in the best league, I think that is more to write home than the Champions mm-hmm. League Yeah, and I guess Will are you in Are you in agreement here? Yeah, I definitely agree, I, I mean okay. just because it's been so evasive um, and it's the monkeys off Jurgen's back as far as winning a trophy because he was uh, 0 for 2 in the prior two years but it, I think every Liverpool fan would agree that the league would have meant more. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean I think James was trying to go the triggering route and we got a really nice humbling answer to start so uh, let's just, let's just <laughs> dive in. Furiously scrambling I mean, through my notes. Yeah, I, I th- I'll skip right ahead to question 8 because we just covered all that. It seems very clear that winning the Premier League is it fair to say that that is the only ambition for this upcoming season? And I want to balance that with, you know, winning the Champions League. Obviously, Liverpool likes to, you know, boast that they are the English team with the most Champions League titles. And the most recent one before the season was in, I guess, what you would call the modern era, you know, Istanbul and uh, the, the second half comeback. That That is something that maybe Will and Scott, you guys were able to experience as fans. I think it was 2005. Um, but obviously, the Premier League, that's a different generation of fans who were able to experience that. Mm-hmm. So it's got that that aspect of you guys have never really experienced it, and obviously it makes that desire aspect a little, a little stronger. Yeah, I would definitely say that the goal for this coming season is, is the Premier League title. I mean, Klopp has proven that um, in the European competitions he can really, you know, take the team all the way. You know, mm-hmm. we got to the Europa League final and two Champions League finals, so he's kind of proven himself, especially with this win uh, last season. But, you know, it, he hasn't really proven yet that with the Premier League you know, he's able to go all the way. And I think it's a totally different, you know, it's, it's more of an endurance race. Um, and so I, I really do think that's the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I guess staying on the side of the, of the Premier League discussion, did you guys have belief all the way through last season? Because Patrick and I have talked um, ad nauseum about how it was like the immovable force against the impossible object with City and Liverpool. I don't think either team dropped points for like the last two months of the season. Um, did you guys have belief right down to the last game against Wolves and City against Brighton that you guys could lift the title? Or was there a point where I think the last time you guys dropped points was against Everton and maybe was that the moment where you knew City was just going to run it through to the end? Because um, I'm curious how you guys, from the inside perspective, viewed that title race. Yeah, I mean, at least for me, like the, the stretch after January where we had that point lead and City were dropping points and we just didn't take advantage of everything or anything and we just kept drawing and weren't really pushing towards the end of games and you know traditionally that would be fine um to take one point but city you just saw how good they were and that they weren't going to drop anything and you know you're also getting these miraculous goals like uh the pickford with origi and that type of stuff that like Mm -hmm. you have to just believe at that point that like it's destined but at the same time you know city's not going to drop anything and like i remember watching games in like march roommates are like oh is this like an important game and they're playing like Bournemouth or someone, and I'm like, uh, I mean, 
kind of, yeah. Like, they can't lose it. They're like, well, what if they tie? I'm like, well, they still get points, but, like, City's just not going to lose. And then right. they just won out, and what happened happened. Yeah, I think um, you definitely want to keep it with, with you guys, but the pace of City, the pace that City has set, Liverpool matched it, you know, nearly matched it all the way in through the end. Uh, just beyond impressive from both both of those clubs. You know, the delta between them and the rest of the, the rest of the league was just mm-hmm. absolutely insane. Is that something that is the new standard? Is that something Liverpool can repeat? Like it's it's you, you mentioned Will, it was almost like it was a team of destiny. James and I talked about that in, in a couple different lights as well. It was, it was it felt like a team of destiny type year, but the juggernaut that was City and Pep wasn't coming down. And I, yeah. I it was it was one of the best title races of all time, but is that a standard Liverpool can match? I think City's proven that that's something that I don't see them falling too far off. Correct me if you, if you think I'm wrong. Yeah, I mean, Pep was studying tape on the plane back after they won the title, which <laughs> iconic image. So you know they're going to be wow, congrats, you know, just doing your as, job. <laughs> round of applause, Pep. FA Cup final coming up. Um, <laughs> Publicity stunt. So I mean, you know Pep's going to be prepared and he's going to drill his players that you know. Last season means nothing. They're going to be right back at it. They're going to go again, as uh, Milner and Henderson like to say. Mm-hmm. So what is Liverpool building, you think, this offseason? Because I know in the way of players, um, it's not going to be a whole lot. So maybe what are, the, yeah. what are the expectations on how to build in this upcoming season? And maybe, Scott, we go to you for that. Um, yeah, obviously you mentioned that they're not really in a buying mode this offseason. Um, they got most of what they like the gaping holes last off season. And it obviously showed with the season that they had um, this season. I think it has to do more. It, some of it was like injuries in the back line. It was unfortunate. They loaned out Nathaniel Klein a week before Trent Alexander gets hurt. They had Joe Gomez, Joel Matip and Dan Lovren basically get hurt like in successive months. So Van Dyke didn't really have that con- continuous uh, center back partner i think if they stay healthy they should be able to repeat the level of uh the high level of competition that they showed last season um the one thing about the team of destiny that you guys were talking on is that i'm not sure will be able to be repeatable is all of the super subs that clock like every single time he put someone in the 70th minute they ended up scoring like Origi yeah. scored every game in the like the last 15 minutes Shakiri had some crazy goals towards the end of the games. Those type of things are what I'm concerned about coming this year. Um, whether or not yeah. like they revamp whatever, um, like going into games, they try to score early. I don't know, but like those super subs, I don't know if that, that's sort of repeatable. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, like you said, between you know Shakiri and Origi. There were some games where I don't want to say it was lucky, but it just it felt inspired. You know, it felt right. like almost fate in some instances. And I think one thing that City has, which is an advantage over Liverpool in a major way, is depth in their forwards. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that Mares and, and uh, Leroy Sané aren't starting every game speaks to the fact that you know they have some incredible talent up front. And you know, outside of the top three with Liverpool. I mean, Origi obviously has proven that he he can't he has potential to be great, but I think we really just need consistency between Shakiri and Origi. We need them to to be healthy so that if there are a few games where we need to rest Salah, you know, midway through the season, you know, we'll be able to have some really reliable forwards that can kind of mm-hmm. carry the weight for a few games mm-hmm. because City had that, but Poole didn't really have that yeah. same depth, and I think that probably hurt us, um, you know, midway through the season. It just sounds like the nicest problem to have. You're talking about how you need more help behind your best three. Yeah, competition for Robinson, <laughs> yeah. Robinson at left back. And I'm rooting for Alex Wobey to get a start. You know, that's where my head's at. But, no, we'll stay on Liverpool. I have to get a few self-deprecating Arsenal jokes in yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, the old adage – sorry, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say, I think that this, we're on a really interesting topic, which is <laughs> – excuse me – that they, they don't – they can't get that much better. Maybe they can get that much better, but – what their first team is good enough to compete with City. And so we're talk, we're peeling back the layers. And you mentioned depth behind the forwards. I would have thought midfield depth. So I'm interested to kind of see what, what the group thinks here. What wh- Who needs to step up and in what role? You mentioned Shakiri and Origi, Phil. Uh, and maybe Will will go to you here. Who needs to step up this year to help Liverpool get further over the hump? Uh, not that you, know, you didn't have people stepping up last year, but it, you need more points. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think both City and Liverpool will finish with 90 points plus, like, 90-something points. I'm not saying they're going to hit 100, but it's going to be super competitive again. Um, I think this year a big step would be have people like Fabinho and Naby Keita getting more comfortable and getting, mm. like, consistent names on, on the first-team sheet. Um, I mean, there's some attachment to, like, Adam Lallana still, but for me personally, I could never see him again and be totally fine. Um, but <laughs> I think you, you want to see... I don't know, and on the injury subject, like when Joe Gomez went down is when they started dropping more points because you had either Lovren or Matip in there and like Matip would just start marauding into the midfield and then all of a sudden he's at like the top of the box, like about to pass off for a shot and you're like, what are you doing, dude? Um, so I don't, I don't know. I think uh, if we were to sign another center back, someone more, more consistent would be great, but towards the end of the season, he really did shut me up as one of his critics because he did play phenomenally. Um, yeah. But I think allowing Henderson to play more of like an attacking role as an eight would be great because when he was able to do that during the later part of the season, he looked he looked a lot better than he has as like the defensive role that he's usually subject to. Mm, it's funny. I was going to ask if you guys were planning on phasing Henderson out. I so. think so. I think Van Dyke's the captain. I think he, he yeah. should be the captain, and going forward, he, he will be. Um, it's just weird because Henderson's obviously a great player when he's on. Um, but he's definitely been a point of contention, I think, among Liverpool fans in general because he does really? represent... That makes me happy. He does represent, like, the old guard. But I think after this Champions League run, he's cemented himself to, to be in the squad until he wants to retire or go elsewhere or do whatever he wants to do. You I think know? that's fair. When the Champions League is a, is a captain. Yeah, you know, that, 100%. That earns you a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the man had a lot of heart. I, it's just one of those classic stories of how he plays for his club versus when he plays for England, just trying to do no-look dummy passes. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? Yeah, I feel like that's always been the case, though, with, with the English national team. Yeah. Mostly Liverpool players. Eh. All right. Lampard. <laughs> right. Yeah, it just so happens that Liverpool has the most good English players. So mm-hmm. when England fails, it's a reflection on right. Liverpool more than the scrubs yeah. over at United that don't get any get any run outs. Mm. Jesse Lingard stars. upcoming prospect. I think you guys will really see him flourish. You know he's 27 years old? You know, data, uh, <laughs> conflicting data reports. <laughs> All right, we'll stick, uh, that's that's enough for me and James. Scott. Is that a uh, Daniel Monte reference? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that is. I didn't, uh, I know who Daniel Monte is. World Series? Come on. Yeah, he was, he was the dude who's like 20 years old playing against 12 year olds throwing like 90 yeah, miles an hour. <laughs> Struck out literally every... I think there's... He had 18 strikeouts. There's only 18 outs in the Little League game. He was just gassing everybody. This poor little white kids from Minnesota had no chance. The only, <laughs> no people, chance. Who are, the only people who are upset about that are the parents of the opposing kids. Because I think everyone loves to watch a pitcher just fuck up a bunch of... Oh, yeah. Awesome. It was riveting television. Yeah, he, they got a parade. <laughs> anyway, yeah, this is very yeah. on brand. Daniel, we have taken Monte, this. Daniel Monte was legally drinking during that parade. <laughs> all right well if you don't want daniel monte scott who do you want who 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 either steps up internally on liverpool because you mentioned you're not in a buying thing so i mean i think you are looking internally yeah um who's who's stepping up for you um not to mention you shed alberto moreno who i mm-hmm. think brought a lot to that locker room r.i.p you know his poise and uh um alonzo steven gerard love child look alikeness <laughs> <laughs> a little too too much looking like there. Yeah, yeah Scott, who, who needs to step up for Liverpool this season and take them over the hump? Yeah, and like you said, I think there are plenty of people internally that can step up. Um, first guy that jumps off the page is uh, your boy, Pat Ox, Alex mm. Oxley-Chamberlain. I was going to ask. Thanks yeah. for bringing him up. Yeah. How's he doing? Um, He's just coming back off injury toward the end of last year, right? Yeah, yeah so he made a couple of squads towards the end of the year. Um, okay. He tore his ACL uh, at the end of the previous season, but... He's been playing in the preseason games. Uh, they just played in uh, Notre Dame Stadium. They're playing in Boston tonight, actually. Um, and I'm he's on the side. So Whoa. I think so. he was also, like, when he went down with injury, he was playing some of the better midfield that Liverpool has seen that year. So if he comes back like what he was and, like, reasserts himself, I think he's going to, like, be a huge addition. And then the one other guy that, like, you have to talk about is Naby Keita. Um, like, last year, people came in, Fabinho, same way of, like, you come in, it takes a little while to get used to the Premier League, get used to Jurgen Klopp's system. Fabinho got over that hump. Naby Keita, I don't necessarily ever think he did last year, so I'm curious to see how he performs this year if just having that full year under his belt 
gets him a little more confidence. Yeah. Did he come from the, the Bundesliga beforehand? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he was RP Leipzig. Okay. RP Leipzig. Okay. All right. Yeah. I don't know where I was going with that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> just just for your own file. I just know people from the uh, Italian league take about a year. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I, I, rate, I rate both of those guys really highly. I think that, you know, I was, I was sad to see Ox go. I think it was one of the few, like, imagine, well-timed decisions for Arsenal as far as getting a return on a player. Yeah, I mean, and, imagine making a career out of saying you're coming back from injury. Yeah. <laughs> hey, have you uh, played a game yet? Oh, coming back from injury. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ox was was fantastic at the end of the uh, you know at the end of the 2018 season, right before he got injured. And if you remember, in the beginning of that season, it kind of took him a little bit to figure out his place within Klopp's system. And I think we're seeing that with Naby Keita as well right now, right? Like he suffered some injury this past season, but you know, prior to his injury, he was actually playing really well. And you know, I still think he's kind of trying to figure out where his place in the team is, mm-hmm. but I think he has a lot of potential to be one of the most important players for Liverpool next season Once, if he can stay healthy and mm-hmm. once kind of Klopp figures out exactly where he wants to play. I think you guys are bringing up a really good point that I think Will, Scott, Phil, you guys have all touched on separately that you might be more sensitive to on the inside versus Patrick and I looking in from the outside. You guys had a really good season without a doubt, but something that I think you guys were, were lamenting on were the injuries that held you back from full squad depth that can compete with something of a city. And that's really that's a really interesting thought because we were wondering where you need to build and really it's just making sure your players are fit. And I think you guys got lucky in the sense of some freak goals or you know some offsides goals that just went ahead and maybe Salah's diving lessons uh, paying off in a couple ways. But all that aside, I think you guys weren't lucky in the sense that you had these players go down at crucial times, which, um, you know, from memory with United seasons, that was the difference in whether or not you were going on to win a title or not. Like, can Rio and Vidic stay that center back pairing for the full season? Right. Yeah, I mean, let's let's also not forget, like, you know, City was without De Bruyne pretty much the whole year, right? Injuries are going to happen, and Phil, you touched on it earlier, is that depth mm-hmm. that City could, could afford to lose to De Bruyne. You True. guys would not really be able to afford to lose but, a solid. But their level of depth would start on any other Premier League team, like, bar Liverpool True. essentially you know so True. it's like oh no he's out but we're gonna have three fantastic players to sub in whatever we want and play like mm-hmm. 20 minutes to finish out games mm-hmm. but at the right. same time they'll be up one nothing against like Cardiff City and Kyle Walker's just in the corner shielding the ball in like the 60th minute to to scrape by for points like I feel like that's just embarrassing when you have that type of squad level depth like actually attack and try and win the game memory, huh? no I know I, remember, I mean I was watching the game obviously hoping they would tie and I was just like, what are they doing? They're, they're going to do this for 30 minutes? Like, are you kidding me? Games and that happened a lot. So in the same the sense that Liverpool got a lot of free goals to win games, like, I don't know, City sat on a, a ton of ton of trash leads. <laughs> and that's, that's me being salty, but I'm just yeah. saying. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a very frustrating part of the game, but it's, it's part of the game and it gets points. Uh, and that's, that's what Pep's in the business of doing. Yeah. Uh, but I want to stick on that midfield a second because – I think, by and large, with maybe a few disagreements on uh, Van Dyke's uh, center-back pairing, you all are going to have the exact same starting eight if you exclude the midfield, right? Your front three, your back four, and your keeper. Who do you want to start in that midfield three? Because that, I think that you want to establish some consistency is a big thing, and you have four or five options at least that I would happily slot into my midfield. Uh, so... Uh, Phil, let's start with you. Just who, if match week one, who who's your starting three in the midfield? No, I'd I'd like to see Fabinho, Keita, and the Ox. Um, you know, I think. Whoa. Yeah, that's a hot There's some displacement there. No Wijnaldum, no Henderson. I I I really do. I think Wijnaldum. I mean, he was was fantastic. Obviously, uh, last season. I, I just I loved I love the Ox so fucking much, and I'd really like to see him. Um, you know, kind of work his way back into the starting lineup. And I think that his his pace at the midfield would be hugely important. Like we said, Fabinho was great um, last year as well. Um, but, you know, and, and Keita obviously has, like, a lot of potential. But, you know, I'd say with Wijnaldum, he could also be in there as well. But, yeah, I really like uh, those three. Keita, uh, uh, Wijnaldum, Keita, Fabinho, and the Ox. All right. Give me that. Will, are you in agreement here? Uh, definitely with uh, the Ox and Fabinho. Wow, uh, that's two for Ox to start. Yeah. No, I absolutely love him. I think he's fantastic, and he was the only, like, I feel like Wijnaldum, uh, Henderson, 
kind of play like a similar or can play similar roles, like more defensive minded holding midfielders. But Ox was pretty electric before he got hurt and he started to gain confidence. And in the same breath, when Nabby, he scored like one trash goal. Like the, I feel like he deflected off the defender and like went in and the goalie didn't even see it. But like, I think getting that one goal allowed him so much confidence because the next couple games after that, I think he scored two in three games or something like that. Um, and so when he started playing well, uh, he was fantastic. So I, I want to say him, but I think starting, um, I'd probably have to go with Henderson for the beginning of the season until he can gain a little more confidence. So can you recap that, that three? Sorry. Was <laughs> Fabinho, Ox. Fabinho, Ox, and Hendo. Fabinho, Ox, Hendo. Okay. And Scott, who's your, who's your start yeah. three in the midfield? So, Scott, to fill you in, Will just said he would have Lalana stride out as captain and <laughs> one. That's it... weird because I was going to say the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, um, uh, we were talking Keita, Fabinho, and Ox. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, Fabinho, I think, towards the end of last season basically proved that he has to be out there. Um, mm-hmm. And then I am going to, like, I also want Ox to end up starting. So I have Fabinho, Ox, and then I want Henderson to start, but with the mindset of more offensive and sort of let Fabinho take over that defensive-minded role. And Henderson proved that he can, when thinking offensively, actually, like, be productive and score some goals. And I want him to have more of that mindset. So Fabinho, uh, Ox, and Hendo. All right, watch this space. We'll see how. Who, who do you guys have the first week? Uh, no idea. I actually don't know. All right, well, we'll get the stat. We'll get the stats department on that. Uh, back with us. But I want to. I want to pull up a oh, little. Oh, it's Norwich. Level it's high. Norwich City. Oh, that's cool. Oh yeah, Norwich. tough matchup. Yeah. Yeah, bring bring the thunder. That's get everyone's what, legs back under them. Uh, get, let those guys rest up. That's from, what we from call the a banana cup. peel game. Yeah. Yeah, shout out Sadio Mane would rather win the AFCON than the Champions League. Mm. Yeah, it's a I mean, I don't, I'm never going to knock anybody that's for wanting to win. Taken out of context. <laughs> yeah, that's that quote was out of context. Free ASAP Rocky. So on the, you know, everyone mentioned Ox, and I think that the, the, the big thing that Liverpool need to address is that link between midfield and attack three. And I think that that's why, I, I think that might be why you guys are all locked in on that, because he has that ambition to get forward. He has the pace that if something's breaking out, he, he can run with those three and, and really make something happen. Um, so I'm going to ask the, the obvious question. Would you welcome Coutinho back? Mm. Scott, why don't we start with you? I mean, I, All I, right. I know it's going to fall on deaf ears. Because <laughs> ever, everyone wanted the second take on that one. must be a sensitive subject. <laughs> um, I've been struggling with this question, actually, recently. Sleepless um, nights. It, honestly, just rolling around, just thinking about Coutinho back in the pictures. Um, obviously, he, I mean, he's an unbelievable player. He was so much fun to watch when he was on Liverpool. Um, but that being said, I'm trying to imagine, like, where you do put him in on our side. He, at 100%, is good enough to start on Liverpool's team. I just don't know where. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that um, part of the reason that, that Mane had such a fantastic season is because, you know, I think it was, the you know, the absence of, of Coutinho. I don't know if, if, if Coutinho was there, if he was, you know, cutting down the left and then coming onto his right foot like we saw Sadio do so many times this season. I don't really know if, if he would have had such, you know, as much of, um, as many goals, as many opportunity to kind of cut in. And so I feel like we're fine without him. And I'm just going to say, I have a hot take and say that uh, we don't need that son of a bitch. From an outside perspective, <laughs> from an outside perspective and I love that intensity. Yeah. And Will, I'll let you round it off, but from, from an outside non-fan uh, perspective, it feels like you already have such a good thing going and you bring back a player who is objectively a really good, if not world-class player, but it feels like with the way he left and wanting to win a Champions League, lol, <laughs> um, if he comes back and things don't go well or there's a bad result here and there, he'll be the first one to get scapegoated. Right. So yeah. that might not necessarily be what road. you want to introduce to the locker room. Yeah, I mean, he's an amazing player, so it's it's a tough situation. But the thing we really missed from him, I think, was set pieces. Like, when he was on the ball, you're like, this could genuinely go in from pretty much anywhere inside, like, 40 yards. I feel like we don't really have that anymore. And again, long shots, he was kind of a sniper. But I think... Uh, the Ox does 
bring some element of that of the long shots. He scored some great goals uh, when he was healthy for us. So I just think, I agree with you, James, I just don't think from a chemistry standpoint it really makes sense to bring him back. Um, and I also think that, uh, yeah, I just don't know who he would be replacing if we were to bring him back. Mm. You know, I, I just think if you look at last season and the players we had w- with another year under their belt, that I think they're going to perform uh, equal, if not better, and there's no reason to mess with that. And also, think, he can go fuck himself. <laughs> okay. I think Trent Alexander-Arnold could be the future of Liverpool set pieces. Oh, yeah, I do agree. I do agree. That's true, yeah. He's shown that he can, you know, he, he has an exceptional foot, obviously, you know, with, with his crosses. And one of the best. He's had one of the best. As a, as a foot guy. As a foot guy. <laughs> um, but, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm very optimistic in saying I think he could go on to be one of the best free kick takers in the Premier League. It Perhaps wasn't his first goal of free kick in the Champions Shaq, League? Scenarios here. That's true. Shaq. Strange his body type in the Premier League. We'll put together that 11. Real yeah, center this is a hot take, but I think if Shaq wasn't like so memeable and hilariously sized, that more people would want him out. You know? If that makes sense. Like, I love him and like the power cube and all that, and he's like so hilarious. Memeable. But it's like when you look at his performance, like he had some games where he did come in and make an impact, but in general, he looked a little lost out there. So if he can perform better this season, that'd be fantastic. Otherwise, I think we still need a backup winger to be able to come in, especially yeah. especially in the left side. Yeah, I think Klopp was definitely seeing something in how mercurial and unpredictable he is because he, for times he would opt to bring in, um, I don't know, maybe a more defensive-minded player to play to push the rest of the team up versus bringing on a Shakiri when you yeah. need a goal. And I think that was pretty telling at times. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Shakiri. I think. I mean, he's he's just like a whirling dervish of a player. I mean, you throw him into a hectic game. I think he'd thrive. But if you need to see out a result, or if it's a you're you're fighting in like a zero zero game against a, a bottom table tier side, mm-hmm. and they're like just trying to hold on, like it may, the guy's just gonna go go crazy. Like if you can bicycle there. kick it, he will. <laughs> <laughs> if that's even an option, he's tried it when the ball's on the ground. Um, if you guys don't mind, I want to transition the subject a little bit from the players on the field to pulling up a level higher to the manager and the philosophy. Um, if you guys have been following along the episodes um, with the other hundreds, thousands of listeners out there, um, we talked a lot in our Manchester United roundtable about philosophy and what the manager brings and what the team brings and consistency with those managers. I want to touch on Klopp because you guys set a pretty good standard in patience and trusting a manager. And Scott, you brought up a really interesting point that I didn't realize. Um, he was 0 for 6 in cup finals. So I think there was a point. And um, at the beginning of his reign, he you know didn't do anything especially noteworthy. Um, I think people even compared him negatively to Brendan Rodgers when he came in at a certain point. So I want to ask you guys, did you have doubts about Klopp? Did you ever doubt the trajectory of the philosophy and what he was bringing to the club and when did things turn and um i'm curious if you know he didn't win the champions league would there be any doubt in your mind that he was the man to still take take uh, the club forward and anyone feel free to jump in first well it's tricky because you know when you have a coach take you to the europa league final and then the champions league final and let's say you know they lost to Tottenham in the final it's kind of hard to say that it's not a successful season if you're you know, two points away from the Premier League title and one win away from, from the Champions League. And so I, I personally would say, even if we didn't win the Champions League, give give Klopp another few years. I think that just, you know, what he's done, he's really, his energy on the pitch, I mean, obviously, you know, who doesn't love watching Klopp, like, fucking fist bumps or clap for his team, even on just, like, a good play or a good He's extremely likable. He's extremely yeah. likable. And so I think you know, what he's done and the progress that he's made, even if we didn't win the Champions League, I, I would definitely, you know, want to see him um, as the manager for at least a few more years. And then maybe bringing it back to the earlier days when the results weren't coming in and the trophies weren't coming in, did you guys ever have a moment of doubt in him and whether he was the right man? I, I personally didn't just because I didn't think the squad was there yet. But I think they've proven over the past two years that they can compete at the elite level. Um, but I think most importantly, it's like what he's built in the philosophy with the actual organization to a point where every summer before you're kind of worried, like with Coutinho, with Suarez, with Torres, with everyone, like, oh, are we going to lose our best player this summer? You know, are we going to have to rebuild? But now I go into this summer and I genuinely don't worry about Salah, Mane, Firmino, Van Dyke, anyone leaving. And I think uh, that's fantastic to finally be like a destination once again, as opposed to a transition club. Right. Must be nice. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> 
Scott, what do you think? So I, I don't think doubt is necessarily the right word for what, like I was feeling. I definitely believe that there is always going to be that sort of grace period of a year or two to get the right players in your system, to get the players to understand and learn the system. So obviously, tell, tell Chelsea that yeah. that is not given. <laughs> yeah, one to two year grace period. Yeah, you'd you'd, you'd hope, but the, you today's, hope. today's today's football, it's it's not always true. But yeah, I mean, I think that was right. But commitment. I guess what like, made the clock. Yeah, and when it works, is there is that one to two year grace period. You don't see many managers come in straight away and just start winning. Um, right. It's kind of the same sort of thing in college football, right? Where you give coaches a year or two to recruit their guys into their system. Um, mm-hmm. and so I don't think it was ever doubt, but after the year, two years ago and last year, I think there's 100% certainty in my mind that yes, he is the right guy. Um, and it's not just sort of me you can see it on the players. They absolutely love playing for the guy, which I think yeah. is also like very hard to come by. Yeah. It's, it's a really interesting point about, um, you know, looking at Sari's Chelsea and how he was given, you know, he was basically written off after the first half of the season. Yeah. And I, I so really... So much disrespect. Won a title, finished third. Yeah, Driven right? out of town. I mean, they had a pretty successful season by, by most accounts. Especially given, like, the how tumultuous it was at points. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I think that... He also quit nicotine throughout the entirety of the season. He it really played chewing, out on the big stage. Chewing on, on those cigarettes. Um, <laughs> but I think it really is collapsed personality that we, that we touched on. You know, and he's yeah. so positive and... You know, um, uh, Scott mentioned he's someone that the players seem to want to play for. And so it actually really, it's, it's an interesting idea that just kind of the energy and the presence and maybe like a really strong personality, you know, it motivates the, the fans as well as the players, mm-hmm. you know, to have the trust that, you know, if, even if it takes a year or two, this is a coach that we would want to have in the mm-hmm. long term. And, right. you know, a coach like Sari maybe doesn't give off that same energy. He doesn't give off the same kind of hope that, that Klopp does. Yeah. Big Klopp energy. Yeah, big, big Klopp energy. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. You know, it's, it's a, I don't really have any huge, you know, negative feelings towards Liverpool, so I can enjoy watching Klopp and like Anfield rocks when that guy goes crazy, celebrates a goal. I mean, that is it's it, it's it's electric. It's hard to deny it. And like James is sitting over here just fuming, but it it. Scott, you touched on earlier, and I want to go back to this. Um, basically, that there was certain things you were worried about being able to recreate as far as like the last minute goals, the super subs, things like that. I almost felt like as that season goes on, that went on, that was becoming part of Liverpool's identity, which was a team that had that confidence. They were all playing for that manager. That manager was, was, was fueling them with energy, making the right decisions. No one ever questioned who was coming off. No one questioned the kind of the formation shift. Mm-hmm. Like they, it, they were a well-oiled machine. They were unified top to bottom. And I think you need that to compete at that top level. I think Pep's is a little bit more regimented, milit- militaristic, and Klopp's more familial, tribal kind of a thing. Mm. And it's a really cool balance. But yeah. is is that, I mean, I, I know what you all hope, but is that part of Liverpool's identity? The ability and the kind of the confidence to win, kind of like United under Ferguson, where it's 75th minute, get ready for the storm. You know yeah. that kind of a thing, and, yeah. and Will, I'll, I'll, I'll start with you on this one. Is is I know I know it's something y'all want, but do you think it is part of Liverpool's identity going forward? I mean, I wouldn't say if it's a part of the identity, but I think and like going to Anfield's a real thing. You know, you've seen it, you saw it in the Champions League with Barcelona, you saw it in the Europa League with Dortmund a couple years before. Like, and I think as an opposing player, you're like, okay, whatever. It's just in a way game we're playing at Anfield, not a big deal. But then you go down one nothing early. And maybe you have a lead on aggregate, but you're like, oh my god, is this really going to happen? And then you go down two, and then you're like, okay, I think we're fucked here. And then a couple mm-hmm. more goals go in, and you are indeed fucked. Um, but I think that uh, I know the, I know we don't have a cheering section as some great clubs like Manchester United have. But I think that as long it was as, an idea tossed around. <laughs> oh, I thought it, I thought it actually came to fruition. I thought that they had a real cheering section. We have the best away support. Okay. Home sport. We'll come back to that. Congrats. <laughs> um, but I think that I think that's more important than the than the brand itself. I think playing at home in Liverpool or at Anfield really is a fortress. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's hard to disagree and um, and envy when you look at the way the stadium can create an atmosphere and 
it I mean, and the adage is is the twelfth man, and I think one of the places where it can be truer is is Anfield for sure, and I think Klopp is a big part of that with the way he acts and the way he gets the fans involved. Um, and I like that comparison with Pep. It's like left brain, right brain, um, <laughs> art versus math, or whatever it is. Just like the emotional side of it, which is which is really a joy to watch. Um, and credit to you guys for making me become a City fan this season because I did not see that coming. <laughs> yeah. that, asking about you know the identity, it's an interesting question I haven't really thought about because I think, I think you know seeing players like Robertson and Alexander Arnold become you know the best left and right back in the Premier League. I don't know if anybody really saw that coming. I mean, it, it, this felt like a season that was just so inspired, and you know we we got some momentum and we were just playing with so much heart the entire time. And at least personally. I felt like in a way we were we were underdogs, right? Like versus yeah. City, and so mm-hmm. we kind of fe- like it. Kind of felt like you know City was just kind of the bad, the big bad boys who spent all the money, had like like you said, like kind of a military like style team, and then you know it felt like we were playing with a lot more heart. So I really hope that the Champions League win um, doesn't kind of <laughs> make make the players like too cocky. I kind yeah. of I hope we can still maintain that like underdog, um, you know, identity that I, I felt personally like we had throughout the season. Yeah, I think I think Quapel. Keep it there. I think yeah, that yeah. I think that's part of who Klopp okay. is. He'll keep that. Yeah. Energy. Yeah. They'll be. They'll be. Whether or not they're the underdog, they'll they'll be unified as mm-hmm. if they were. Right. You know. Um, but we are we are kind of ra- reaching the reaching the end of this. Um, so I just kind of want to talk a little bit about expectations for next season. Got a fun little segment, and then uh, we'll take some predictions on the way out. I'm just going to get right to it. Would you be disappointed if you don't win the Premier League next season? Will, let's start with you. Um, I mean, I don't expect or demand they win it, but obviously I would be disappointed because I think that this is another iteration of a peak of a current squad with Liverpool, and they have to take advantage of that because, I mean, we were four points off United in, I think it was 2008, uh, and finished second. Obviously, the 2013-14 season with a certain slip occurred. (laughs) Mm, um, Tell me about it. And then the squad fell apart right after that, um, unfortunately. But I think right now, as long as we have this front three, um, and Van Dyke peaking at the right time, we have to take advantage of that and uh, bring home a title finally. Yeah, yeah, I could agree more. Uh, and, and Scott, Scott, about uh, you, you with uh, expectations for this season, and what, yeah. what would what would make you disappointed? What would make you happy? I mean, not winning the league, I think at this point is a disappointment. Um, that's kind of I think we all sort of touched on it at the beginning. That's the expectation. That's what we would rather have is to win the league, and that's kind of what they're sort of building towards. Um, that being like, it's a little bit of a disappointment to have one of the greatest seasons in the Premier League history and come in second. Um, right. So, like, the thought that City can replicate what they did, I would hope they can't. But that it's kind of a like double-edged sword there, where Liverpool also has to recreate what they did. So it's it's tough. It's lofty expectations, but yeah, I, I would be disappointed without the title take us home phil yeah no i i i agree i think it's it's amazing that liverpool is in a place now where not winning the title would be a disappointment i think that's a testament to how far you know Klopp mm-hmm. has taken this team um but you know i think that every single i mean obviously every game is kind of like a final right you know someone, someone mentioned earlier in like february when they were playing Bournemouth. with oh is this an important game well i mean Fucking yes! Like every every game is extremely important, and you know, you see that Pool had one of the best seasons of all time last season, and you know we're gonna need one of the best seasons of all time mm-hmm. next season as well. And so I, I really do think that it, it would be a disappointment, and there's really no room for error. I will say there is. It feels like for you guys there is a sense of urgency because you have this squad that's peaking, and as it starts to decline, you don't know when it's gonna happen again. Yeah. Um, and another interesting point that got brought up on the city roundtable is that Pep, I think, has two more seasons left on his contract, and the way he operates, you're pretty sure that that's going to be that. Mm-hmm. So is it like Pep holds it down for two years, and then when he leaves, would Liverpool still have a semblance of a squad that could take advantage of that, or is it something that needs to happen right now? So, um, you know, I definitely hear you guys yeah. and needing to make it happen. I think the message, though, that the club is sending to the team, to the fans, by not being in a buying mode this summer is that we understand the expectation. We know yeah. we, we showed you our level and we're confident that we have what it, we, what it takes mm-hmm. in here to make it happen next year. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a really, really exciting time to be a Liverpool fan. And with that, I want to introduce 
a new segment to the show. This one is a special one for Liverpool. It's called Clop, Lock, and Drop It. And so what's going to happen in Clop, Lock, and Drop It? Incepted last night at a bar. Yeah, yeah. This is two or, two or three too many vodka sodies before we came that's, up with this. That's where all the good ideas come from. I was going to say. <laughs> but basically, I'm going to read you a take. Some of them we've talked about, so I'm going to not say them again. Um, you can either lock it, which means you 100% agree with the take. You could drop it. You don't agree with the take. Or you could clop it, which means you, you can't make a decision. <laughs> there was really no intent That's behind that. That's the third option we could not yeah, there's, there, associate It's with just to decision. make the pun work. It's not that Klopp is indecisive, but don't you want read, to get triggered yeah, by it, get triggered it. by it. Um, first one, Allison is the best keeper in the league. Lock. Okay, Phil's locking. Lock. Will, are we going three-peat on the lock? Real original, guys. Yeah, I'm going to lock that. Oh, wow. Wow, no one, no, no one clopped it on a De Gea or... De Gea has one bad month. Ederson, no, I mean, De Gea's like low-key trash now, but... Um, De is going to be the highest paid goalkeeper in the Premier League history soon. Rightfully so. Which is yeah. nuts. De Gea with a better back line would definitely compete, but if we're just basing it on performance of last season, it's got to be awesome. I think on, on last season, I would agree. De Gea's season before... On last season, sure. Yeah. yeah, the season De Gea had before that was one of the best seasons I've ever seen a goalkeeper yeah. have. I would say Ederson would probably even be second for me, at least after last season. Yeah, yeah I, I think. based on last season, yeah. Don't get so triggered. This is about Liverpool. This is a Liverpool <laughs> segment, James. No, De Gea's trash. Where does where does Petr Cech fall in there? <laughs> uh, I don't really uh, have anything to say about that he's man. Sli- I thought he looked. Are we are we agreed that he's a sleeper cell agent for Chelsea? He looked every bit. <laughs> of Chelsea's technical director in that Europa League final. Yeah. And I will not back off that take. What's in but, that helmet? What's in the helmet? Show me underneath. Yeah, the, the was, sorry was in there telling him some shit in that helmet. He had a little mic in there. And Jewel Podge just going right into his brain. If you guys have any takes you want to throw out there for a club blocker job, feel free. Um, I got one. But I, Hit me with it, Scott. Van Dyke should win the best player in the league. In the league or the blown to or in the world? Um, he should be a conversation for the Ballon d'Or, but he should. That's win not the... a take. That's not a take. Fine, was he should he, win the Ballon wasn't d'Or. Wasn't he the player of the season? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask for a hot take. You asked for a take. Okay, okay. So, Will, what are we? What are we doing with that? Are we clapping, locking, or dropping Scott's take of of? Uh... You were saying something about Vegas odds. I'm pretty sure he already is the the favorite for Ballon d'Or, right? I thought so. I believe that. That's yeah. crazy to me. I believe that. I mean, I think it's warranted. It's just crazy to me that a defender. Has a shot to win the Ballon d'Or. I think that if, if the Netherlands beat Portugal yeah. last month, Agreed. there would be no question. Or if uh, Argentina beat Chile in the Copa America, Messi would have been the winner. You know, I think that they both had a chance to kind of cement their place as the winner, but they both they kind of blew it on the international mm-hmm. stage there. Mm-hmm. I personally think that Messi is the best, is the GOAT. Um, I think this season Van Dyke played just about as well as him, and so... I'd yeah. like to, I'd love to see a defender win, especially I think Liverpool boys. He is the first player in a long time to bring the conversation back to how important and pivotal a center back can be in a team. Since Cannavaro. Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, it's legitimately it, that's it the took, category we're talking. He is the player, I think no one would disagree, who took Liverpool to that next step and they would rank him above Salah in importance, Mane in importance. Nobody dribbled past him. Yeah, that well, is, without that, a doubt. that is the insane stat. Probably because, I mean, when you're out of position, they don't really count it. Not even Alex Awobi. <laughs> Not even Awobi. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, I got one for you guys. Hit it. Fuck, Mary kill. Mane, Firmino, Salah. <laughs> it's not the game, but let's let's get into it. <laughs> I'm looking at 48 minutes. I had to shoot my shot. All right, Scott. Oh, you go first here. The bat. Um, oh, God. <laughs> I love it. I might... Um, you know what? I'm gonna marry Firmino. Fucks Mane. <laughs> I love how uncomfortable you are. Yeah, and I'm killing Salah. Whoa. Yeah. I really <laughs> thought Firmino would be the one to get the taken out back. I absolutely love Firmino. He doesn't necessarily show up on the like the stat sheet, but what he does is like on you. You can't replace what he does. Wow, this is tough. I, I feel like I want I do want to marry Firmino because it'd be so fun to like I feel like 
He'd be a great partner. He'd be a great partner. Like, like for so many people. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus like Salah, who, who knows where his personality is. But no, honestly, I would have to say I'm going to kill Salah as well. And I'm going to uh, marry Sané and I'm going to fuck Firmino. <laughs> Sané. <laughs> All right, Will, Will, take us home with this one. Um, yeah, I'm going to marry Firmino. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck Salah. <laughs> oh, what a game. Uh, um, okay, I got another clock blocking, Jarrah. Um, this one's on, on topic of what we talked about most today, but I want a definitive take. Liverpool wins the Premier League this year. Maybe we do rankings, because uh, we do like one through six ordered. And I guess through that, you'll get the prediction of if Liverpool will win the Premiership. Sure, yeah. So predictions of the top six next year as well. Uh, will, why don't we start with you? Um, I'm going to go Liverpool 1, City 2. Um, I'm going to go... If Tottenham don't lose anyone this summer, like officially, then them at 3. I think that's an accepted take. Yeah. Spurs in third, yeah. Um, uh, probably Man U 4th. Um, Arsenal 5th. I think I'm going to have to go with West Ham 6. That's a, that's a hot take. That's but I think a real That is take. the hot take of the season. Yeah, Will, well, everyone Will. else was saying Wolves, and I agree with that, so I just want to kind of dive into that. <laughs> um, Chelsea are going to be so bad, and Christian Pulisic is trash. Um, and Frank Lampard is also trash. We'll, so. uh, we'll take that out and post, the Pulisic thing. Don't worry about that, guys. <laughs> Can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> going to take that Pulisic take right out of there. Uh, okay, okay, I, I don't like it, but I can't fight Did it. Did Will leave uh, Arsenal out of the top six? No, no, Will, um, he Will just... said Pulitzer was trash. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. If our listeners couldn't figure now, it's it's the grand reveal. Uh, Scott has not been able to hear Will the uh, whole podcast, so we have to deliver some of these takes to him. It's also sad that I'm gloating to Patrick that someone slotted United in at fourth over Arsenal. <laughs> but, like, it actually hurts me, so yeah, it, it like works. It. Uh, Scott, what about you? Top six. Um, I'm going to, I think, Arsenal six. Sorry, Pat. But, I like how you go in reverse order just to... Yeah, grand, re- right. grand reveal. This is, I thought this is how radio works, right? You build up. Six oh, is a generous Clickbait. Very. I mean, I was... Like they might. What be. he says next will shock you. <laughs> right, right. Should we tease it and like go to break or <laughs> just get on with it? <laughs> One of our sponsors in here. Um, five. I'm gonna go. Man, you. Chelsea is three. Tottenham. You, you just skipped right over four. Yeah, <laughs> what's happening? I'm coming back what? to it. That's the. <laughs> that's let him the paint build. the picture. Yeah, let, let him paint his picture. He's Picasso. So um, where am I? <laughs> well, you've you've given us uh, six, five, and three. All right, who was who's left? Um, so we'll just jump to two and one. Um, you know, I got Man City two. You struggle with that. I was building suspense. Okay, who's gonna have the cajones to not choose Liverpool? It's a Liverpool podcast. Kind of have to. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Phil, well, I'm going to go the traditional route. Start with 14, then go to my second. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> no, okay. So I'm going to say pool one, city two. I think Arsenal will have a legitimate shot of becoming a pretty fucking great team. Um, as good a, as, a, as a shot of, as any team, I think. So I'm going to put them at three, Tottenham at four, uh, Manu at five, and uh, I'm going to put West Ham at, at six as well. <laughs> Wow. I don't know where this is. This is the West, West Ham podcast now. West Ham. He's <laughs> West Ham. He's West Ham now. Artanovich, I am the captain now. Um, okay. Um, I think I kind of ran out of some, some clap it like it's hot. Those were our predictions. Man, this has been a fun one, guys. Yeah. I think to wrap it up, um, we like to take quotes out of context and drop them into our intro. So if you guys have anything complimentary to say, you know, how good of a time you had, um, just feel free to. Throw them out now. Pulisic is going to have 35 goals this season in the Premier League. Love it. This is the best podcast. Our City fan said Aguero would score 31 because that's how old he is. Nice. <laughs> that's, that's the hard-driven data. Yeah. Man, I, want to, uh, I want to thank Daniel Sturridge. Oh, Scott, do you know where his dog is? He, yeah, he got found. I was going to say. Phil's whereabouts in Los Angeles are unknown at the time of that dog going missing. Yeah. Oh. 
this is breaking news. It was extremely difficult for me not to just write my name in lipstick on the window. <laughs> Let it be known that it was me. Sick goal versus Chelsea. Yeah. That goal was nuts. All right, fellas. Um, thank you so much. It's been a real blast. Um, you know, we hope to have you guys on again soon. Maybe when the Liverpool Man City ultimate title decider game comes on, we'll pit you against those City fans. Fuck yeah. Yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun, guys. Really appreciate you coming on. And um, and yeah, anything, any any final words before we send it out? Best podcast in the world. Love it. That's exactly what we're looking for. All right, everyone, take care. What's up, Prem Heads? Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts at Prem De La Prem, a Premier League podcast, and smash that subscribe button for all other interviews, segments, and hot takes that you can handle. You can also find us on Instagram for some fire content at Prem De La Prem Podcast. No spaces, no punctuation, just like life.